This is Brother Michael A. Smith, a voice for Freemasonry, bringing to you the Short Talk Bulletin, published by the Masonic Service Association of North America every month since 1923. This, the Short Talk Bulletin podcast, is produced in cooperation with the MSA and is made possible with the generous support of a grant from the Grand Lodge AFNAM of Minnesota. This is Colin Britton bringing to you Volume 2, Number 12, December 1924, entitled Guardians of the Gates. Author Unknown. Any Master Mason speedily discovers that his masonry is not all getting. It is also a matter of giving. A good Mason must serve, as well as being served. When Masonry is well served by her brethren, she grows, thrives, and prospers. When she is ill-served, a lodge starves, thins out in quality, gets stagnant, and sometimes dies. When your application was received by the lodge, the master appointed a committee of three brethren, whose duty it was to investigate the truth of the statements you made, to find out what manner of man you are, and recommended to the lodge what action it should take. Following their report, a ballot was taken on your application. You were a good man. Your committee reported in favour of your application, and you were elected. You may not have known of their investigation. In small towns, it is not always necessary to see the applicant directly. Generally, he is known to one or more of the brethren and his reputation can easily be established from other sources. In larger centres, one or more members of the committee, in addition to other work, will look up the applicant for a personal interview. On the accuracy of that report, of committees on petitions, and on the fidelity with which they discharge their obligations, depends the purity of the lodge and the character of its personnel. When you are appointed upon an investigation committee, you may take it as a signal of honour that your master has confidence in your good sense, your loyalty, and your freedom from prejudices. He believes that you will faithfully discharge the most important Masonic duty he can give you. Do you, therefore, take the work seriously and do it faithfully? By all means, see the applicant unless you are completely satisfied from interviews with friends, enemies, employers and associates as to exactly what kind of man he is. Some member of the committee must see him or know him, of course, or members should, if possible. Never be satisfied merely because you find nothing against an applicant. Masonry wants positive, not negative virtues. It is not enough that he hasn't been caught and jailed yet. He must be the kind the law doesn't want. It is not enough that he has no enemies. He should have friends, and many of them. But it is not necessarily a point against a man that he has enemies. It is for you to decide whether such enmity is justified by character and actions which would be prejudicial to the lodge where the candidate is admitted. It is not only your right, but your duty, to inquire strictly into the reasons 
which lead an applicant to desire masonry. There are many reasons, most of them good. Those which indicate that the applicant would not make a good mason will occur at once to anyone. The petitioner, who wants membership in order to promote his business, is seeking something only for sordid reasons. The man who desires merely to satisfy his curiosity is not worthy of the knowledge he seeks. The applicant who hopes, through influential friends, acquired in the lodge to secure place and power, would prostitute that selfish ends, the institution he seeks to enter. Many men will be inarticulate as to why they want to become a mason. Many others will have many reasons all combined. You'll be hardly able to disentangle one from the other. Be sure that you dig deeply enough to understand the secret springs which moves a man, for on the reasons why he wishes to become a member of our great order will depend, in large measure, the sort of mason he will be. Among the good reasons for wishing to be a mason are a sincere desire to help others, a respect and veneration for a fraternity which has been beloved by so many good men, a patriotism which would follow in the footsteps of Washington, a love for one's fellow man, a desire to be with many friends in activities which they enjoy, a hunger to follow where a father uncle or brother, has gone, and a desire to secure the moral and social welfare of his loved ones. But it is not a good reason if a man desires to join a lodge because he believes his family may be in want and he hopes the lodge will help. The older an applicant, the more closely his reasons should be investigated. A man of sixty who wants to be a mason must explain why, so anyone can understand. This, because there are men, past their threescore years and ten, who hope the fraternity will put them in one of their homes, or otherwise relieve them of the care of themselves. Such a reason, of course, is wholly unworthy, and no such applicant would receive consideration at the hands of any intelligent committee. On the other hand, the older man who has waited for his son, or who has only now been able to gratify a long ambition, or who has come to believe that only in real fraternity is there to be found the best in friendship, these are to be admitted, if all else is well, without regard to advanced age, so long as the statutory requirements is satisfied. Make your own investigation alone, unaided, without reference to the other committee men. Make your search promptly. It is not fair to the applicant or to the lodge to dilly-dally about. If you can't serve, say so. If you do serve, serve well, serve wholeheartedly and promptly. You will be well paid. A master's wages await you when you shall be done in your work. Paid not in any metal coin or anything of material value, but in the finer coin of consciousness of honourable and responsible duty well done. The inner happiness which comes when you may truly say to yourself, Masonry 
has helped forward my work. The knowledge that your lodge is a better lodge because you have paid back, in small measure at least, the interest and the labour your brethren invested in you. The Committee on Investigation, appointed for the purpose of giving to the lodge first-hand and Masonic knowledge of the character, abilities, attainments and general reputation of applicants for the degrees, is not only, though it is the most important committee work a Mason may have to do. Next to it in importance is the work of the committee sent out from the lodge to examine a visiting brother. Only Masons, thoroughly familiar with lodge work, should be asked to serve on examination committees, the duty of which is to ascertain if those who would visit your lodge are regular Masons in good standing. At least two brethren must compose such a committee, and of these one is usually in charge, the other being merely a witness. There is no law covering this. Both may ask questions. Indeed, both must fully satisfied before the visitor is brought into the lodge. Usually the first procedure is to examine the documents of the visitor. Formerly, many lodges issued Grand Lodge certificates which were held in prima facie evidence that the possessor had been thoroughly initiated, passed and raised. The possession of such a certificate was held essential before any examination could be conducted. Now, however, many lodges do not issue such certificates, contending themselves with a receipt for dues or a good standing card or both. In few jurisdictions is a mason refused admittance to a lodge because he does not possess a Grand Lodge certificate. The good standing card, however, is usually considered essential. It is always wise to ask the visiting brother to sign his name and compare it to the signature written upon the good standing card. Having satisfied themselves that the visitor, in good standing in his lodge, the committee retires with the visitor to a private room for examination. You are not to be nonplussed if the visitor here demands to see your credentials, or even to ask to look at the charter of your lodge. He has the same right to be cautious that you have, the same right to assure himself that this is indeed a regular lodge, working under a charter, as you have to assure yourself that he is a regular mason, not an impostor. It is required not only that he take oath to the fact that he is a mason, and that there is no reason known to him why he should not visit with his brethren, but that you, the committee, take the same oath. And this should give you the keynote of the procedure of examination. It is not an inquisition in which the committee subjects the visitor to inquiry. It is a conference of brethren, in which two groups satisfy each other of their mutual brotherhood. After the Tyler's oath, the committee may ask the visiting brother any question relative to masonry which occurs to them. He has the same right to ask questions. If both parties exercise their right to the fullest extent, the examination could take all evening. As a general principle, the visitor does not ask questions. Presumably, he has satisfied himself in other ways that his questioners are Masons and that the Lodge 
he would visit is a regular lodge. The committee may begin at the beginning of the first degree and take the visitor through all three, from entrance to signing the bylaws, but, except in unusual cases, it is neither wise, necessary, nor courteous. Too many committeemen are anxious to display their knowledge of ritual, their contentiousness, and their strictness. This they do at the expense of the hapless would-be visitor who has paid the lodge the compliment of choosing it for a fraternal visit. Rituals differ in different jurisdictions. The essentials, of course, are the same. But through the years, variations in wordings have crept in, and various committees on work, appointed by various grand lodges, have changed the ritual, so that what is correct wording in Maryland may be incorrect in Minnesota. Any well-instructed committee knows this, and makes allowance for it. It is not important that an applicant know your work, it is vital that he knows his own work. But it is not important that the visitor be a ritualist. He may be a poor memorizer. He may be long out of harness. He may never have learned his rituals as he should. This may be a matter of regret, but is not a serious consequence in determining whether or not he is a regular mason. You are not holding a court of inquiry as to how well informed this mason is. You are holding a session to determine whether or not he has been regularly initiated, passed, and raised, and has in this respect the right to visit with you. The instant you are satisfied he is a mason, that instant courtesy, brotherly regard, and good manners require that you should say so, and take him into the lodge room and introduce him to the master. Charity of thought, toleration, kindness and courtesy are all Masonic virtues. There is no place where they can be better practiced, or where they are more essential than at the door of your Masonic home. For the benefit of that stranger within your gates, who would refresh himself at your altar, and renew you the Masonic tie. This is Brother Michael A. Smith, a voice for Freemasonry. And this has been the Short Talk Bulletin Podcast, produced in cooperation with the Masonic Service Association of North America for the purpose of providing a common stock of vetted Masonic information to all of the constituent lodges of all of the member jurisdictions and is made possible through a generous grant from the Grand Lodge AFNAM of Minnesota, who have been engaging and inspiring good men who believe in a supreme being to live according to the Masonic tenets of brotherly love, relief, and truth since 1853.